0: Welcome, once again, to Great Stories About Great Storytellers, where I share the backstories of famous authors, directors, and poets. I'm your host, Dr. Randy Overbeck, author of the award-winning series, The Haunted Shore's Mysteries. I've shared before that I'm a best-selling author, but my numbers pale in comparison with this episode's storyteller, none other than J.K. Rowling. In fact, Miss Rowling gives new meaning to the term best-selling. Her imaginative creation of Harry Potter, Hogwarts Academy, and the Muggle world have set literary records that may never be broken. The first book in the series, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, has sold more copies than any book in the English language other than Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, with more than 120 million copies in the hands of readers. The entire Harry Potter series, seven original entries and three companion books, have sold more than any other series ever. Well over 600 million copies. No other offer is even close, not even those with many more installments in their series, such as the Perry Mason series of 86 entries that sold 300 million. Clive Custler's Dirk Pitt series of 24 titles that's sold 120 million. Ian Fleming's James Bond series of 14 titles, 100 million. even the mega American author James Patterson, Alex Cross series of 22 titles, selling 81 million. Let me repeat the number for her series again. 600 million copies sold. The seventh and final book in the series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, became the fastest-selling book of all time. In fact, there have been so many Harry Potter books sold that on average, one in 15 people in the world owns a Harry Potter book. Since 2016, more than 6 billion minutes of Harry Potter audiobooks have been consumed worldwide. 6 billion with a B. The titles have been translated into 80 different languages, Albanian to Ajabani, Hebrew to Hawaiian. These books have spawned 8 major motion pictures, the seventh entry required two cinematic showings, and the film did almost as well as the books. Together, they garnered great reviews and were nominated for 12 Academy Awards, and they grossed over $7.7 billion worldwide. And I should mention, the books be- have become the inspiration for the wizardly world of Harry Potter at Universal Studios Amusement Parks in Orlando, Hollywood and London, so you can even ride into the fantasy. All of this commercial success has led to making J.K. Rowling a billionaire. In 2011, Forbes magazine designated Rowling as the first female billionaire novelist. Wow. Besides the overwhelming commercial success, Rowling's writing has been critically well-received as well. Author and works have garnered an impressive array of awards. In the children's books categories, she won the Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Book, the Bram Stoker Award for Best Work for Youth, and the Hans Christian Andersen Literature Award, among many others. Her awards for adult writing are equally impressive, the Hugo Award, the Quill Award, the Andrew Newton Award, and the Anthony Award, to name a few. Rowling herself was bestowed the Order of British Empire Award and received honorary degrees from such austere universities as the University of St. Andrews, Dartmouth College, and Harvard. When the titles were released from 1997 to 2007, they broke one barrier after another. One of the most remarkable aspects of these books is that even though they were marketed as children's fantasy books, They appealed as much to adults as youth, which, of course, partially explains the remarkable sales numbers. I can still remember the summer of 1997. My extended family was vacationing together in North Carolina in July, and a bunch of adults and kids were horsing around the pool. Maureen, one of my sister-in-laws, was lounging nearby, her nose in a huge book. Marine was an especially sweet woman a few years older than me and was battling MS at the time, so she couldn't participate in some of our activities. To this day, I remember going over and asking her what she was reading. When her eyes came up, they were bright and her smile was wide, and she said, It's called Harry Potter, and it's one of the most interesting books I've ever read. No small praise from an avid reader. To say that J.K. Rowling left an incredible mark, an indelible mark on the literary and cultural landscape is no overstatement. But if you could have shadowed the young Rowling, I doubt you would have had any inkling of what lay ahead for this woman of remarkable imagination. After a word from this episode's sponsor, fellow writer Jan Sykes, author of the new book Saddled Hearts, I will share Rowling's origin story. Colt Lane's livelihood and legacy are jeopardized when a stranger arrives with wild accusations and bold claims. He needs answers only his grandfather can provide, except his grandfather is deceased. Taking a chance on a local medium, he gets more than he bargained for when sparks fly. Now... Not only is his ranch in jeopardy, but so is his heart. Join Colt Lane and Sage Coventry on a wild ride as they join forces to save the ranch. For more on this acclaimed romantic suspense novel, Saddled Hearts, visit jansykes.com. Now, to the rest of the story, or I should say, the backstory of J.K. Rowling. Joanne Kathleen Rowling was born July 31, 1965, in Bristol, England, to a difficult home. She had a strained relationship with her father, and her mother developed an aggressive form of MS when Joanne was in her teens. She later confided home was a difficult place to be, and she was very unhappy then. During her teen years, Joanne even developed some severe OCD behaviors. School was better for her, but not much. Although she took A-level classes and posted generally good grades, her teachers remembered her as, as, and I quote, not exceptional. She applied to Oxford and was rejected, though she did graduate from the University of Exeter. Even in college, she did not stand out. Her teachers described her as, quote, an average student lacking ambition and enthusiasm. Once, out in the world, though, her personal problems had only just begun. After college and another course in bilingual translation, she got a temp job at Amnesty International, working to document human rights violations in French-speaking Africa. But she was fired from that job for daydreaming. Actually, she was neglecting her work to read and to do some writing. During this time, she tried her hand at adult novels, but none was ever published. In 1990, she moved to Manchester to be close to a boyfriend and take other temp jobs. But she described this part of her life as, quote, a year of misery. Her mother's death in 1990 and her breakup with her boyfriend led her to flee again. An advertisement in The Guardian lured her to Porto, Portugal, to teach English as a foreign language in a night class while she wrote during the day. However, heartbreak and tragedy followed her across the channel. Five months after arriving in Porto, Rowling Rowling met the Portuguese television journalist Jorge Arantes, a handsome Mercurio Mediterranean, and they found they shared an interest in Jane Austen. They got together, and by mid-1992, they were planning a trip to London to introduce Arantes to Rowling's family when she had a miscarriage. They decided to marry and tied the knot on October 16, 1992. Their daughter, Jessica Isabel Rowling Arantes was born July of next, of the next year. By this time Rowling had finished the first three chapters of Harry Potter uh, and the and the Philosopher's Stone, its original name by the way, almost as they were eventually published and had drafted the rest of the novel. But their relationship was troubled almost from the start, and Joanne herself described the marriage as short and catastrophic. Jorge was incredibly controlling and she was not allowed to have a house key and he used the growing manuscript of her first book as a hostage. Four months after Jessica's birth, husband and wife, quote, separated. The truth is, Jorge got enraged and dragged Joanne into the street, slapped her and threw her out of the house. She had to get the police involved to recover her daughter and claim her manuscript pages and then went into hiding from Jorge until she fled back to England two weeks later. Once back in Britain, things did not improve much. She and her daughter had to reside in a mouse-ridden flat and subsist on government assistance. About $103 a month in Social Security. Jobless, she at least had time to work on her writing. But she explained there were many days when she did not eat so that her daughter could have something to eat. Seven years after graduating from the university, she saw herself as a failure. Her marriage had failed, and she was jobless with a dependent child. The next year, Rowling began to experience a deep depression, and when she contemplated suicide, she sought medical help. Thank God. With nine months of therapy, her mental health gradually improved and she was eventually able to finish what would become the first Harry Potter installment. Following an enthusiastic report from an early reader, the Christopher Little literary agent agreed to represent Rowling. Her manuscript was submitted to 12 publishers, all of whom rejected it. Eventually, Bloomsbury Publishing purchased the manuscript after Nigel Newton, who headed Bloomberry at the time, saw his eight-year-old daughter finish one chapter and want to keep reading. But the, but the publisher told her, you'll never make any money out of children's books, Joe. On June 26th, Bloomberry published Philosopher's Stone with an initial print run of 5,650 copies. For all this, Rowling received a grand total of £2,800 or $4,200 in royalty. That's it. But things were about to change. Even as she was finishing the second book in the series, Rowling learned that the U.S. rights for the first book were being auctioned at the Bologna Children's Fair. To her surprise and delight, Scholastic Corporation bought the rights for $105,000. Sorcerer's Stone uh, Sorcerer's Stone was released in the US in September of 1998. And though it did not receive a lot of attention from reviewers, the reviews it did get were generally positive. Then, <laughs> within 3 months Sorcerer's Stone became a New York Times bestseller. And the rest, as I like to say, is history. But man, what it took to get there. Perhaps more than any other writer, Rowling's dramatic life and history is truly a cautionary tale. The moral is not that, that a writer can become a billionaire, but rather, if you believe in yourself, you need to persevere regardless of the obstacles the world throws at you, or sometimes you create, if you want to tell your own remarkable story. Every fledgling writer, in fact everyone, can take courage from all J.K. Rowling has accomplished. i like to end with some connection or comparison with my featured storyteller, but I must admit I'm a bit humbled here. To say that my Haunted Shore mysteries are in any way in Harry Potter's League would be disingenuous. But I will say this. If you enjoyed suspending your disbelief while you followed Harry into Hogwarts, you might well enjoy my stories, which are critic called A Cold Case Murder Mystery Wrapped in a Ghost Story Served with a Side of Romance All Set in a Beautiful Resort Location. You can find information on all my novels, as well as previous episodes of this podcast, at my website www.authorrandyoverbeck.com Speaking of which, you're not going to want to miss the next episode of Great Stories About Great Storytellers, which will feature the backstory of the great children's poet, Shel Silverstein. Until then, keep reading those great stories, and I hope at least one of them is mine.